It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled, loyal, and effective workforce? Consider a partnership with Western Governors University. Over 300 organizations already count on WGU for valuable education benefits. Students can fit schooling around their schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. And it's all online. Partner with WGU to make a smart investment in your company's and your employees' future. Learn more at wgu.edu slash partnerships. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we're going to start with news from training camp. The second-to-last open practice happened today. And then we're going to get into some more analysis from the game on Saturday in a little bit more depth. Joe and I have both had a chance to watch the game a second time. Pro football focus grades are out. Snap counts are out. All of that comes together to give us a more informed picture of the game. But first, as I mentioned, the Lockdown Bengals' lead story today is training camp updates. First one, I would say, left guard battle. Uh, We see a new player enter the mix, I guess, with rookie Michael Jordan taking reps. Jim Turner, offensive line coach, said that he was really impressed with the way Michael Jordan played in Kansas City, so he's giving him a shot. I thought Michael Jordan had an okay game. I thought he had a good game for a rookie. Uh, but, sure. right, Michael Jordan with the first team, Trey Hopkins with the first team today. That's right. And that means last year's first-round pick, Billy Price, took reps with the second-team offense at center for the first time all year. Probably the first time in two years. Probably the first time in quite a while for Billy Price, I'd imagine, going back to Ohio State. It's interesting. Uh, Zach Taylor did say, however, not to put too much stock into the starting lineman today it was guys are going to get their shots and today it was it was trey hopkins and mike jordan getting some additional chances with the first team that's right he was quoted as saying that it is not a demotion for billy price it's just that hopkins deserves a shot and that was coming from actually offensive line coach jim turner so we're seeing a lot of true competition from the bengals in training camp this year which is something that a lot of fans really appreciate I think we're seeing that we've talked about it at wide receiver and also noteworthy today, Ben baby reports, Ryan Finley was running with the twos. Here's another spot where maybe that preseason performance for Driscoll and the comparative preseason performance for Finley got Finley a chance with, uh, with the number twos here going forward. Yeah. He had a strong game Finley, especially for a rookie in his first game dealing with a adverse situation in Kansas city. Plus the radio helmet went out in that first drive. So Impressive start for him. Not very good for Jeff Driscoll. I think it's 
uh, fair to give the rookie the opportunity to throw to more talented players behind a more talented offensive line, especially if Billy Price is your number two center and during this practice. So uh, those are good reps for them, and it'll be able to uh, get a level playing field for this competition. It's interesting because usually you would think that would mean Finley is throwing to more talented receivers, but the way that it went for the Bengals, he was still throwing to a lot of the same guys just because of the way they're, they're rotating. But the offensive line difference should be pretty significant. Although both quarterbacks, both backups were pressured quite a bit in Kansas City. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Finley performed actually quite well under pressure with some of his best throws coming from pressured snaps. Yeah, that makes sense. He threw his good anticipation and accuracy, so he's getting the ball out as he was being pressured. The the best play was the touchdown to Jordan Ellis, where he was pressured off the left edge, and he stepped up, stepped to the left, and found Ellis as maybe his fourth or fifth option. Yeah, he saw it a little bit late, but he saw it, and it was a touchdown, so you have to give him credit for that. Some other notes from training camp today. Dan Horde in his training camp wrap-up over on Bengals.com told us that Clayton Fedulum's injury won't be too bad. Zach Taylor thinks that he might get back to practice next week. Travion Williams, who had a rib injury against Kansas City, returned to practice today, along with Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon, and William Jackson. Gio and Jackson had some small injuries, it sounds like, so it's nice to see that they're back on the practice field. Also an update for John Ross. They expect or hope he'll be back next week, but he still remains day-to-day. Also, two new injuries that we did not know about. Tight ends Seathan Carter and Jordan Franks both sustained concussions in Kansas City. That may leave the Bengals a little thin at tight end going into this game against Washington, as Tyler Eifert probably should not be expected to play. It'll leave them with Drew Sample, C.J. Uzama, and Mason Shrek. That will be tough because I don't... Well, actually, all those guys could play pretty deep into the game. Uzama might only play the first quarter and let the rest of the guys finish the game out. One other note uh, on the game against Washington coming up in just three days. Ryan Finley is going to play with the twos in Washington. I don't think I mentioned that when I said he's running with the twos in practice today. He will have his shot with the twos this Thursday. That should pit two rookie quarterbacks against each other. Dwayne Haskins for Washington, who was drafted in the first round, and Ryan Finley in the fourth round for the Bengals. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see, huh? Yeah, big difference. I mean, even though there were only maybe, what, two quarterbacks drafted between them, Uh, that round difference was pretty big. Pretty significant. Some other notes from training camp today. Auden Tate continues to be really, really, really good at jump balls on 50-50s. Yeah, he caught a touchdown again today over Drake Kirkpatrick, and we saw him do it in the game. That's what he does. That is his strength. I think he's playing his way into not only making the roster, but potentially being involved in the offense and being a weapon. He's just too good at that one thing. And it's such a valuable skill set to, to be able to catch balls away from his body the way he does in contested situations. Just not only does he have reliable hands, but incredibly strong hands to maintain control of the ball through contact. Yeah, and it helps when you're 6'5 and, you know, you've got the ball skills he does. It, when you're not a guy that can run a 4-4, you better have very good ball skills and be able to catch in traffic with bodies around you, concentration through contact. And I would say Auden Tate has those in spades. Does all those things. High points really well. Last bit of news to talk about today before we get back into the game review is Alex Redman was activated. He will be practicing now. He's still suspended, so it'll be interesting to see if he plays at all. He did look pretty healthy. I noticed that when I was down there at Paul Brown Stadium last week. He was going through some individual drills by himself off to the side of the field, kind of like the rehab field, I imagine. 
he looked pretty good. I mean, health-wise, he looked totally, totally healthy to me. And uh, it's nice to see that he's back at practice, if for no other reason than to provide some additional competition and get some more depth there where the offensive line is just a big question mark for this team. Yeah, and even though he's going to miss four games, so he may not directly be in the competition for left guard, it gives you a serviceable depth player for these final preseason games, which helps you evaluate everyone around him because that guard isn't going to be killing a good chunk of your reps. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway. 
all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast with your hosts Jake and Joe here. We're going to take a deeper dive in the Bengals at Chiefs game from this past Thursday. And, no, Saturday, I'm sorry. In an effort to, uh, you know, give you a little bit more. Yesterday's episode was more of a, well, what would you call it, Jake? A emotional reaction? I think that's going to be more of the format for when regular season comes. When we record on Sundays after the game, it's going to be, you know, how would you feel? What would you notice? What would you see? What, what call just drove you nuts? Uh, you know, the outcome of the game, the impact of that game. Whereas Monday or Tuesday, when we get some more information, we watch the video again, watch the tape again, we maybe get some grades, other evaluations from other evaluators, we will come back and reset our our expectations and what we saw on, on the field on Sunday. So I, th- we're at that portion now. Whereas, you know, everything's not so exciting. It's, it's not so fresh. It's not, every, you know, one bad play isn't a detriment to the entire game. So we instead can look at it in a little more analytical eye. Exactly, yeah. In the season, in the regular season going forward, we might actually have three iterations because All-22 doesn't come out until Wednesday. So we're going to get you an immediate game reaction in the moment on Sundays right after the games. On Monday, we'll come back having watched the TV angle again with a little bit more analytical perspective on it. And then maybe on Wednesday, Thursday, We'll give a couple of play breakdowns once we get the all 22 and have the coaches film angles to go with. But for now, let's talk about the offense and how they performed in Kansas City. Um, Again, my notes are pretty high level. I watched the game again and thought the offensive line with the first team actually held up pretty well. Uh, My question becomes, how well do they hold up in extended game time? If, If the Bengals are behind, if the Bengals aren't on script, because that first drive is scripted. And of course, that's the one we've grown to expect to learn the best under Andy Dalton. Even though they did oh, yeah. fall behind the chains a few times there and had to recover from a first and 20 and maybe two first and 20s. Uh, I thought the offensive line looked good with the first team. That's why it'll be nice to see once we get to game two, game three. You know, you get two drives, three drives, maybe four drives by that third game. Because even under Bill Lazor, I thought Bill Lazor scripted first half, first drive of each half was re- usually really good for the Bengals last year in the year and a half. Uh, but it, it was after that. I remember writing about it. I wrote about it twice. I wrote about it for The Athletic and before that when I was with Bengals Wire that the Bengals had a problem going off script. And it wasn't about Andy Dalton. It was really about the play calling. And they, you once you saw what they had on that first 10 to 14 plays, that's basically what they had, and they kept going to it. And it would, as the as the game wore on, it wasn't as effective. And obviously, as the season wore on, so that'll be something we can check out in preseason before the regular season starts. And then something definitely we'll keep an eye on as the regular season goes. But as as far as scripted offense goes, I thought it was extremely efficient. Like we said in the in yesterday's episode, they would have scored after the ninth play, I believe it was, to Josh Malone. Uh, and actually, Jake, we mentioned that uh, that Dalton was maybe a little bit late on that. Watching it again, I didn't think he was late. I just think he underthrew it. Uh, it, You had a vertical route on the left, and you had the the deep crosser to, I believe it was, might have been Auden Tate on that one, or Cody Court, doesn't matter. But uh, that is the first read, is that deep ball. So I was surprised at how how underthrown that ended up being. But that's not... I feel like when I watched it, though, you see him take a very quick set. Like, he's not expecting it. Maybe he just wasn't expecting it to be open. Maybe it's not that it was late, but it looked very sudden. He didn't have a good base at all, and it looked like yeah. he was surprised. 
Yeah, I thought maybe he just missed a, a step in his footwork and and maybe pulled up a little early and, and you know, didn't realize where he was. And that, that happens at times. It's preseason still, you know. Even though he's a, he's a veteran, that those a lot of times you don't notice those things happen. A quarterback will reset or gather himself and then, you know, hit the, hit his target anyways. But on a deep ball, when the timing is off play action, you could tell something was a little off. He also missed that throw inside. I, I thought watching it again, it looked worse than it did the first couple times I saw it. And I also thought that Josh Malone could have been a little bit more aggressive coming back yeah. to the ball. As soon as the Thunder throw. If that throw, was on Tate, right? Yeah, if, if it's on Tate, maybe if it's A.J. Green, they're not waiting for it, right? And right. yes, the throw needs to be a better throw. But as soon as you see that, go back to the ball because at the very least you might draw pass interference with the corner rushing to get back into the play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Andy Dalton was not pressured according to pff on his nine dropbacks i think he was blitzed twice he's actually really good against the blitz so you wouldn't expect them to blitz him often especially in the preseason so uh, i saw someone say that well then the, the other team didn't blitz well most teams aren't going to against andy dalton because that's that's how he beats them that's how he he will beat the defense instead you'll see him drop more guys in the coverage and try and make him pull down from his first read and make him go to his second and third read uh so I, I thought it was very efficient, very clean. I thought him and he and Tyler Boyd, obviously, in 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 sync together. And again, I come back to the Auden Tate. We touched about it, touched on it in the first segment. But I thought Tate's catch and dive into the to the end zone, which I thought was a touchdown when I when I watched it on replay. I was like, man, I'm, I I can't believe he didn't actually get in there. But uh, overall, a very clean, efficient drive. I, I'm really excited to see drive two, drive three in the next game or or possibly week three. Yeah, I'm interested to see if the play calling disparity gets any different too. I noted this on Twitter, the the run pass split, not that you need to run the ball a ton to be a quote unquote balanced offense, but they only ran it like 12 times in a preseason game. I was very surprised by that in a game when they wanted to see how the backup running backs, the running back depth was going to perform. Maybe they just wanted to get that evaluation done in the passing game and they got a lot of good looks at Jordan Ellis and... um, Quentin Quentin Flowers, Flowers. in yeah. uh, pass protection. Flowers but, had a great pickup in pass protection oh, yeah, it was, too. It was, Did you see that? It, it was he pancaked a guy. Yeah, he took that middle linebacker. Uh, I think it was a middle linebacker, and it really just drove him in backwards, and he ended up uh, tripping Billy Price a little bit, or well, it couldn't have been Price. So whoever the center was at the time got tripped up and and fell on his butt because of because the Flowers was so aggressive. He actually took the guy from the hole, and then yeah. you know he was he was the furthest man downfield at one point. Yeah, I remember that. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm interested to see if the run-pass disparity does shake up. We were told that this is going to be a run-first offense, and it definitely wasn't. Now, given they didn't have Geo or Mixon, and if Mixon's out there, then your running game is dramatically different. But oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that changes. I also thought that while there was a fair amount of pre-snap motion, it looked different than it did in practice for whatever reason. And they also really didn't run much play action. Just 18% of their plays were play action passes. Yeah, that's surprising also because we expect both of those to look pre-snap motion and motion at the snap, uh, especially the Jets motion and stuff, and then the uh, the play action to be a heavy part of this offense. But like I said, it looked disjointed. Now, I don't know if that's a like a, a knock on the offense or if it's uh, a sign that they were holding it back. It looked intentional and, to me. Yeah, it did. That's how, that's how I felt too. If they were ineffective, I would have thought, something's wrong here but they weren't they were effective and they kind of looked like the exact same plays i've diagrammed for for the athletic but just they intentionally weren't trying to do it the right way right yeah. there, there are small differences and i think they are definitely trying to hide things like going just 18 percent play action i expect that number to be higher 
in the regular season. And most oh, of that yeah. was Ryan Finley. 40% maybe, right? At least. I mean, the, there was there's times you look at Rams games and they're at 50%. Yeah. So we will expect the offense to look much different against Seattle than it does pretty much for the entire preseason. I think they're trying to run some of the same concepts, but doing it out of different, slightly different looks, slightly yeah. different timing. And we'll see how that evolves. Um, Drew Sample, somebody yeah. you were going to watch for The Athletic. Do you have any notes to share on the rookie's performance? You said at one point on Twitter that he didn't look good. I asked, can you give me some specifics? You said he looked awkward. He had the offensive pass interference penalty. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Hey, uh, so I watched every snap today of his, and uh, his blocking was was not good. Uh, he had two wins. He had three losses on a bunch of neutral plays. The losses, though, were the type of he's getting blown back by a grown man type thing, and that's expected for a rookie, I think. Uh, on the on the positive side, it was that he showed a lot of effort, climbed to the second level, stayed with a lot of blocks, and and, and kept battling guys and fighting guys, which is appreciated. And, and in terms of tight end, they're not going to look like an offensive lineman out there too much, but uh, he stayed with it and he was, he had a lot of effort in his blocks. His routes were choppy. They were rough. They, they invited way too much uh, contact and, and tight coverage. I think going against a guy like who is uh, Darren Lee had to be right. The linebacker. Yes. Um, superior athlete, obviously, but Lee can be taken out of place, I think, at times. He's not great in coverage because I, I think he lives off his athleticism. And and for that, there was no setup in in Sample's routes. He couldn't lean off him or, or stay v- vertical before he he, he, had, he stemmed his route and, and broke outside. And because of it, uh, he ended up with a lot of uh, unnecessary contested situations on a couple. One was flagged on Darren Lee. The other one is he ended up making a, t- a contested grab for about a seven-yard gain, I believe it was. Then he had the two drops. Both were off-target throws. But you kind of want to see those, right? I, I want to see, like, all these guys in adverse situations. I want to see bad throws. I want to see uh, sometimes bad blocking to see if a guy will make a guy miss or whatever the case may be to see how they react. I don't want that during a, during a regular season game. Yeah. But in some practice and preseason, I want to see a bad throw. And Sample dropped both of them. So, I thought, uh, overall, it was a bad game for him. I thought the one in the flat, he maybe ran his route wrong because the throw went to the wrong side of his body. I wouldn't even give him a drop for that one. Yeah, I think PFF gave him both drops on both of those plays. I, I and both were outside did. of his frame. I know they did, but the, the one where he is running in the flat and he has to like do a 180 to try to catch the ball, I don't know if I count that as a you bad also drop. Be, a quarterback will lean you to the open space too, though. Like, like all right, there's no one there in the flats. I'm going to give it to you so you can turn and run upfield. And Sample is just running his route right to the sideline. I mean, you ever yeah. do those in Madden? You ever throw the flat route in oh, Madden yeah. and the guy runs right out of bounds after he catches it? And you're like, what is going on here? I have more of an issue with the route than the hands on that one. Yeah, and that's what I think it was. He should have started, you know, drifting upfield or turning inside to, to expect the ball, and he seemed like he didn't expect it for whatever reason. The rub route, though, where he got called for pass interference – Maybe the worst rub route I've ever seen. There was it was uncalled for, unnecessary. He understood what he was supposed to do, but he did not have to execute it that way and actually make contact with. Yeah, he, with he the didn't defense. have to touch the guy. Didn't have to. Yeah, let's take a break and come back and talk about the defense. What do you say? Well, we got one more note on the offense. If you want, real quick. Real quick. Real go. quick. What do you think? Okay, John Jerry. He got listed as the uh, number one guard for Pro Football Focus. I didn't see it. He had two penalties. I thought he was just a guy out there. Sure, he didn't give up any pressures. But to me, when I watched, I thought this, you know, based on the grade, he'd be running away with the with the position or with the starting job. I did not see that on tape. 
To be fair, the first holding penalty called against Jerry, I watched a couple times. I didn't see anything resembling a hold, so they might have gotten that call on the wrong guy. But I'm surprised that his grade was so high with penalties. Usually you get two penalties on an offensive lineman in a game. They're not going to be the best offensive lineman at their position that week. But lo and behold, John Jerry was PFF's top interior lineman with more than 15 uh, snaps last week. Yeah, and maybe they have access to all 22. We will not get twenty all 22 for preseason. So let's take our break. We got it in our note. John Jerry was on PFS preseason team of the week. We'll come back after this break and talk a little bit about what we saw on the defensive side of the ball. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. And we're back for segment three. We're going to talk about the defense, a little more in-depth look now that I've seen the game for three uh, viewings. And I think we should jump right off the bat for me because I want to talk about a positive guy first. I think there's two guys you could really talk about positively. But uh, number one for me, and he was on PFF's team of the week, and that's Darius Phillips because that's an interesting player to talk about. You know, the two muff punts, I think everyone looks at that and says, you know, guy may be on the outside looking in. But when he plays as good as he did on defense, he had two pass breakups. I thought his coverage was good. I thought he, he played run support well and, and, and was physical. Uh, he ended up with a really strong grade, and it made sense to me on rewatch that, that he ended up like that. Yeah, he made plays, and he didn't give up plays, and he didn't have bad missed tackles or anything like that, no blown coverages. It all adds up to a good grade, and that makes a lot of sense. I think you have to separate the special teams from the defense with him. And you, I think, also have to give him another chance at punt returner. I would, too. I mean, let him, let him at least run out the preseason because he'll probably show you enough on the defensive side of the ball to make the team, at least the way the other cornerbacks are playing right now. I don't think Tony Lippett is making the team right now based on what I saw against Kansas City. I think that Tony McRae and Darius Phillips are clearly ahead of Lippett, and, and Harris might be, too. Yeah, I thought Lippitt's pass interference on rewatch was even worse, even though we got probably 20 shots of it the first time I was watching, uh, taking a little emotion. And, and even though we're not probably not going to talk about uh, defensive or just pass interference replays that seem to drag the fun out of the game anyways. But, uh, you know, at the time separating from that, watching on a replay, Lippitt, a guy with ball skills and length, should not be attacking the ball that way. He wasn't beat that bad. He needs to 
I, in my mind, a guy like that should be feel comfortable to uh, put a hand on the hip, look back, and reach up for that ball rather than just taking a, a, a swat at the arm or a chop at the arm of the receiver. He got beat athletically, though. Like he, he looks yeah. like the athleticism maybe isn't isn't quite there to play. Might be the case with some of these guys in the NFL. I mean, you got to give him some more chances, but he looked tentative to me. He didn't look like he was a very physical corner. He also didn't look very athletic to me. So I'm not sure where the strength is, but I'll have to find it quickly because the guys behind him did play really well. I thought you've also got Darquez Denard, who is likely to make the team. I think. Yeah. Uh, somebody did ask if he, if I thought he might be a, a surprise cut. Right now, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'll no, say, I think they paid him already. Yeah, they've already paid him. But you know, they also paid a guy that I think might be on the roster bubble and carry win, and that's because Andrew Brown had a very good game. Yeah, that's the other guy to talk about, right? And Brown is an interesting guy because I really liked him when they drafted him. In fact, I, I remember writing last year for the Athletic that Andrew Brown was my favorite pick for the Bengals of last year's draft class. And that's because I thought he was the best value pick they had. I thought he was a day two guy. They're getting him in the fifth round. A guy that at the Senior Bowl last year, he's remember he was a five tech DN for Virginia Tech, and he only got you know maybe half his opportunities of rush from the inside. The other times he's two gapping, and he really wasn't his skill set. This guy's a five star recruit, a top end athlete, and he never really got to flourish there in that defense. He goes to the Senior Bowl. They play him strictly at defensive tackle, and he tears it up. From not only from practices to games, I got a highlight video, a two-minute video on Twitter somewhere if you type my name and his name in, and it's uh, just Senior Bowl him penetrating nonstop over and over again. And I thought he could carry that. And in defensive tackles, like we've said too, like tight ends, I think defensive tackles need a year to uh, just to get the speed and strength of their game up to match the rest of, of, of the players around them. Now, Brown is listed as a defensive end. He got to play some D-tackle snaps, too. The, we keep talking about that interior pass rusher next to Dino Atkins, that other nickel guy, that other athlete, and it could be a, a, a guy they use at DN and D-tackle. And I think, like Kerry Wynn, if Andrew Brown can be that and be better than him, I think the only thing that may weigh in, in, in Wynn's favor is is familiarity with Anarumo and uh, special teams factor because apparently he's a really good special teamer. So that's something to watch with Brown to see how much special teams he's playing and if he's doing it well. But so far on defense, he stood out. He's probably the top performer on the defense. He definitely flashed, and it was the get-off. He has an elite get-off off the ball, and he is in the backfield first on every play. He drew a couple holding penalties. He had the sack. He looked much better to me, however, coming on the inside pass rush because he doesn't have the bend. He can get to the corner, and then he can't quite bend around it on the outside. Yep. He's a little bit stiff in, in the hips and ankles maybe, and so he, he can't turn that corner the way you would like to see a guy with his explosiveness do getting off the end that way. But you put that inside, and we've talked about this, you put his quickness up against the guards and that he's going to see on the inside – and you saw it on the sack, just a quick swim move. You're by him, you have a sack, you draw a holding penalty. So I exactly. think Andrew Brown, I think he's better suited for that right now than, than anybody else on the roster necessarily. And we have to see what Kerry Wynn can do. But based on Brown's first game, I have Brown ahead of Wynn right now. At least of good... making the choice based on performance on the field. You make a good point using that swim move play because he did also win with that coming off the left end. And, and he beats and he the right tackle the with a swim move, right, could not break down, could not yeah. get the sack. And that's the difference of the position. And, and the same player winning the same way, 
but athletically, uh, that's what you need. That's the difference. So maybe he's a he's a DN on rundowns because there was a couple plays late in the game when he had to play defensive tackle, and I thought he got run over. He didn't have the anchor. He couldn't sit down and, and take on two blockers uh, against the run. One run was right at him for a touchdown late in the game, and I thought, yeah, that makes sense. And when I looked at PFF grades, he wasn't graded very highly, but you looked at his run defense grade, and it made sense to me why he was a little bit lower. Exactly. And I, I think those are all, I think we're on the same page with all that. A couple other notes on the, on the defensive line I wanted to talk about. Sam Hubbard, I, we talked about it yesterday, but I watched it again. Sam Hubbard's bull rush from Mitchell Schwartz straight into Patrick Mahomes' lap was oh, yeah. very impressive. High level. I, I love the way that they rotated both guys too. Did you notice that also yeah. that yeah. Dunlap and Hubbard were switching spots, switching sides? And I don't know if it was a strong side, weak side thing because they seemed to line up there before the offense actually lined up. But I like that. I like that they're both getting shots on either side. Uh, I think Hubbard, just the way he moved, the spark, the energy, he looked a little stronger, looked a little leaner. He looked uh, a little bit more explosive than I remembered last year. And I thought to myself, you know, Michael Johnson had about 500 snaps last year, and he had dead legs. He's had dead legs for a couple years. But last year, and now going to this year with Sam Hubbard, if he takes all those snaps, and Hubbard himself had 500 snaps, so, you know, it's not going to be a, a total. He's going to take 100 of those, but or 100% of those. Point being is the snaps he's out there where he's replacing Johnson should be an instant upgrade. One, maybe one of the only upgrades on this defense that they've made from one of, the, one of the worst units in the league last year. They didn't bring a lot of free agents in. They didn't bring a lot of uh, high-end draft picks into this defense. Sam Hubbard may be the guy that makes the biggest leap, biggest contribution. It looks that way to me based on the very limited sample size we've seen so far. Carlos Dunlap also had a hit on Patrick Mahomes on the first play of the game. Really good hit for Patrick Mahomes for a preseason game. I also thought he had a really nice swim move later on to get a run stop. Uh, and I thought Ryan Glasgow looked pretty good too. He did. He had did you a see really those couple nice, of swim moves. I was going to say he had a really nice push pull that I thought uh, on I, Patrick, that's what it was on Patrick Mahomes when he goes or when he has that little run where Billings couldn't track him down. Yep. I thought Glasgow on that play in particular, and you might be thinking of a different one, had a really nice push pull, and then he think he got held because he got tackled mm-hmm. from behind, and they didn't yeah. call it. But I think the guy he grabbed got his hips, right? Yeah, from behind him. Yeah, yeah and then and then he got finished off by another guy who came over and also hit him in the back. You don't like uh, to see a defensive lineman get hit in the back twice on one play, but I thought he had immediate pressure from that push pull, and there was a hold that didn't get called. But he also had another few plays that I thought he looked pretty good. It's kind of funny we're talking about how many individual good performances we saw on defense, and this is, this is a team that gave up 38 points. But as we said. The special teams giving up 14 of those, basically, with the muffed punts. Yeah. But again, I thought the special teams looked good. The punt coverage, the punt team. I thought Kevin Huber, I mean, if you lined it up, top five players on that game, I thought Kevin Huber had a fantastic performance. Yeah, I said that on Twitter. I thought one of the best things for the Bengals coming out of this game was that Kevin Huber had a great game. I thought the punt coverage team was really good. I also, and we're going to get back to the defense for a couple other things here. I thought that it was I looked at the special team snaps the top guys for for special team snaps are a bunch of back of the roster guys who are getting their shot Hardy Nickerson had a lot Malik Jefferson had a lot Deshaun Davis had a lot Jermaine Pratt had a lot uh, Drew Sample and Auden Tate is a noteworthy name here for me he had 10 snaps on special teams which means they're looking for a way to make Auden Tate useful if he can't get on the field when all the other receivers are healthy and a guy he might be in direct competition with, Damian Willis, who did not show up during the game. But he also had the worst special teams grade based on PFF. I noted that he missed a, ta- uh, a block that the guy ended up making the tackle on a kick return. He also missed a tackle. So uh, not a good start for Damian Willis if he's not out there contributing, at least in a, what, 
water level. I just want to be. I just want to have him above sea level uh, yeah. as a special teamer. You know, I'm not expecting left mud and Tate either. But you got to be able to use those guys other than on the offensive side. Yeah, the other undrafted rookie wide receiver, Stanley Morgan, is definitely ahead, I would say, of Willis through one game. The last note on defense that I wanted to talk about was the second string linebacker unit. I thought that all of these guys had mental issues. We saw Jordan Evans get his eyes stuck in the backfield on a play-action play. Malik Jefferson, we talked about yesterday, is running around like... He doesn't really know what the play is sometimes or is just not aware. You saw him give up that catch on the fullback wheel where he just has no idea the ball's coming. That's also what happens to Sean Williams actually earlier in the game on the the wheel route to Kelsey. He just never found the ball. He looks back after Kelsey's caught the ball. And I thought Jermaine Pratt had processing issues. I thought that he was a little bit slow to process what was in front of him and thus was a step slow to make plays. And the best example of that is the McCole Hardman touchdown run. Yeah, not only am I writing about Drew Sample, but I'm writing about Jermaine Pratt also. Focusing on his snaps, he took false steps on almost yeah. every single play. Yeah. He he was on that first read, that first movement, he's taking a step in, maybe sometimes two steps in. It killed him on a few plays that, that you know, you just got to back him up a little bit. He's a fast guy. You're going to run fast forward. You know, take a step back if you need to. Uh, it's kind of like catching a fly ball in the outfield, right? One step back first. Uh, he's he's way too quick to come forward. And I, you mentioned Sean Williams. I actually think after that first play, Sean Williams was pretty good. Uh, he got targeted twice early. One, the one was really to Kelsey. The other one's a fullback off of off of really a bust, a design that, that beat them. But then he had a pass breakup and a couple nice tackles that I thought looked good in the run defense. Yeah. So, for I mean, again, another guy that we thought played well on a bad defensive performance, I guess. I thought his first two plays, and the second one you could argue is is Jordan Evans' responsibility. Both he yeah. and Jordan Evans got caught looking inside on that. I don't know if it's a little a little option play or if it's just play action. It was hard to tell. It looked like it might have been a little like pass a run, play. yeah, pass run option. Yeah, where he's got the option of of based on the look, he can you know either uh, hand it off or throw it in the flats yeah, there, or maybe I, even more. I think he's probably watching that linebacker and Jordan Evans gets sucked in and Sean Williams gets sucked in and then he decides I'm going to pull it out and throw it. So uh, it's interesting. It's a mixed bag on defense. It'll be nice to get William Jackson back next week and solidify that pass defense a little bit. But the linebackers do need to play a little bit better. A lot of the Chiefs' success came uh, from targeting tight ends and running backs and really picking on the linebackers. So that's still going to be the book on the Bengals until they fix that issue. The other thing is, and again, you mentioned this, don't judge the defense too much on the score of this game because the special teams issues really threw a big wrench into, I would say, the the whole game script. Any last yeah, points to make, Joe? Yeah, my last point is Darius Phillips, who played a lot of slot snaps last year, did not play in this game. It was Tony McRae as the as the backup third string, I guess, because if Dark was in our BW Weber, two starters there, uh, it was McRae as, as the backup, and it wasn't Phillips, which I think Phillips will be much better on the outside because yeah. uh, he's a former receiver, ball skills, uh, and he's not going to have to be the big guy inside making tackles. McRae also played really well. Had a nice play in the run game, too, for a small guy. Yeah, and I, th- I actually noticed Devontae Harris on a couple of punt guns, too. So uh, that's good for him. Yeah, some interesting stuff happening at depth on at the cornerback position. That's the deepest position still on the Bengals. And uh, you, s- I start to wonder about, you know, the chances for guys like Lippitt and uh, Kavari Russell to make the team with the the struggles and the injuries and all that sort of stuff. But that is probably all the time we have. For this Kansas City game, I don't think we're going to talk about it anymore. It's preseason game one. We have another game coming up in three days. 
Tomorrow, I think we're going to do a bit of a mini mailbag. We're going to catch up on the countdown to kickoff. We're going to get ready for the game in Washington. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.